thought you knew, but you have no idea. It's the urban sports scene. You are listening to the urban sports scene with myself, Wole, Will T, and Ray Jeezy. What's going on, fellas? Nothing much, Nothing man. now. Um, <laughs> Football season <laughs> over. <laughs> What's up, Will uh, T? Now the best time of the year starts. I'm good. Best time of year starts. NBA season. March Madness. You know, even though it already started, you know, we, yeah. we, we're really getting into the heart of the season. So facts, facts. Excited. Mark, you said March, March Madness, Will? March Madness? Is, is, is it the same? Is it the same? You know, is it really the same? <laughs> no, look, 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 same. I'm, I'm just going to be, I, I'm, I, college sports is not the same without the crowd. The crowd plays a lot into the atmosphere and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, tempo of the game. It, it, it just isn't the same. I Unless do, you're watching like really high level college basketball. Yeah, I do think you're. You, I mean, in terms, and this is a whole different discussion. But I do think in terms of what the NBA did with the bubble, you can you can kind of do that with the tournament, right? Because they're in selected arenas anyway. May, if, if they could do something like that, I think it would be kind of dope. But yeah, no, nah, you can't do that because you, you can't do that because the athletes still have to attend class mm, true. during true. the week. True. So yeah. on online classes, will they can do it? <laughs> no, nah, I I think you it's too much risk mm-hmm. with college students. Look at look at the North Carolina and Duke. We had the the um you know after the victory after North Carolina's victory um against Duke on Saturday, there were um videos of UNC players going out to celebrate without a mask, and that's yeah. why the um, Miami and UNC game was delayed on Monday. It's, just, it's it's tough, man, it's, it's, especially again when you're dealing with kids or whatnot. You know what I mean? It's just a tough situation. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, I mean, the term is always my thing, but I don't know if it's going to be – it's it's hard. I, it's going to be hard to have that same impact because I'm not even, like, to me, the whole college season is different. Like, Duke sucks. Carolina's iffy. Kentucky ain't really good. It's just – the season just looks – it's just all whack. It's all jacked up. Well, yeah, I had no – that UConn women's ahead, game was was awesome last night. So there's a way. Yeah. It's just a matter of the 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 networks doing a good job of covering the event and broadcasting it, which I feel like the NFL overcame some issues. The NBA's overcome. Baseball has overcome. I think college basketball can do the same. Definitely. All right. Uh, you listen to Herb Sports and you're also part of Sports Journey. Uh, at, you can check us out at sportsjourney.com. You'll find all kinds of sports content, especially for your DMV teams. Uh, subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, also iHeartRadio and Google, and Google Podcasts. Uh, just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also tweet us at Urban Sports Scene and hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Also join our Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Search Urban Sports Scene Sports Bloggers, Sports Podcasters, and Sports Debates. Will T. Into our traditional pregame. Here's what we have on tap. We'll talk about Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeating the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl 55 at 820. We'll talk about Washington Wizards guard Bradley Bill leading the Eastern Conference guards in NBA All-Star voting at 835. We'll talk Luke. about the ru- the rumor uh, that the Washington Wizards will pursue Toronto Raptors president Masai Jerry. Finally, at 850. Talk Nats Kevin Nibley will join us to discuss the Washington Nationals offseason moves. But first, in Super Bowl 55, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Kansas City Chiefs 
31 to 9. Tampa Bay's quarterback Tom Brady was Super Bowl MVP. Thoughts on the game? I'm gonna start with Will. Uh Eric Bienemy and Andy Reid made a, a huge misstep from my perspective. Um and that misstep was not running the ball when um Tampa Bay played so much um too high safety. Mm. Um playing you know, with playing their safeties back. Um with when you have uh, a dynamic running back such as Edwards, um even Williams. Hilaire, I, I, I did, yeah, I, I just I just think that, you know, there was an opportunity for the, for them to use him in the run game a lot more. Um and also uh you know I'm not a conspiracy theorist and by no means and I'm not going no, I, I'm not gonna infer that with this next statement, but the rest calls, some of those calls were a bit much if you ask me. Right. Particularly the uh Vincent the um oh no, excuse me, the Mike Evans pass interference. Oh god. <laughs> that was a terrible call. Was that with the interception? Is that when the interception happened? Or was that the yeah, that was the hold. That was the hold, right? That was the hold. Yeah. Ray? Raymond. Oh, there's a good angel on my right shoulder telling me the obvious, which is that K- Kansas City's O-line was banged up. Mm-hmm. The Bucks had an amazing game plan, and, and the Chiefs failed to run the football, like Will said, and they failed to make adjustments. However, <laughs> <laughs> there is the angel on my left shoulder uh, who I'll call the contrarian. I'll call the contrarian. I'm not going to say the other word because questionable officiating, like Will just alluded to, and I'm sorry, Will, for saying this, but questionable officiating can swing momentum, dude. And when the Saints were robbed in the NFC Championship game against the Rams, they never regained their composure because momentum was gone. Another example that doesn't involve the refs is the Ravens. They were in complete control against the, against the 49ers in 2013, Super Bowl 47. Then a strange blackout just swung the, the whole pendulum of that game. And San Fran nearly completed the comeback. So I'm thinking to myself, which angel is right? Is it the, the one on my right or the one on my left shoulder? Y'all tell me. Oh, I think the one. I think the the one the the one with the conspiracy theory should be the one on the end to go with. Um, because I just feel like, dog. I believe I, I, my memory my memory serves me right. I think in the first half it was Tampa Bay only had one penalty for five yards, and Kansas City had about six for ninety five yards. I, I think I think about ninety five yards, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself like, all right. The holds you're calling in this game, like Tampa Bay was, I mean, the, the, the Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay secondary was doing the same exact stuff to Kansas City. They showed you clips. They did the same exact stuff and the refs didn't call any of that. And most of those stuff were tiki tack fouls. Like, like Will said, the, the pass interference on two levels was ridiculous. One, it was barely passed. It, I didn't think it was pass interference. The second, the ball wasn't even catchable. Like, so if you're going to call anything in that particular play, you're going to call a five-yard. You should call hold. You should call the hold for five yards. Instead, you called the pass interference. Like, that was an uncatchable football. So calling a pass, a P.I. was ridiculous. Then the interception Brady threw. Mike Evans did, did most of the hand joshing. And it jockling, and then and then then it was a p- interception that had to be reversed. Brady gets the ball back and has a touchdown on that drive. It's like, dude, like y'all were doing so much, like so much, and, t- and Tampa Bay couldn't. I mean, uh, Kansas City couldn't do anything to get momentum because at that particular point in time, 
Like every call was huge. Like every call led to like a scoring play. So and, and they and, and into a situation where if they you know um, I think on multiple occasions it was a, a big third down with a stop and a penalty and the flag came out. So to me it was huge. Like what they did in the first half in terms of reffing, reffing it was it was it was horrific, bro. It was horrific. Nothing. And I was I was saying I was telling my friends I was like it don't even matter what they do in the second half. Like they could try to even they're gonna try to balance the calls out. But in that first half, they already set the table, bro. Yeah, I, the score shouldn't have been as wide of a margin at halftime, if you ask me. Yeah. But ninety six over 96 million people watch the Super Bowl according to numbers, mm-hmm. which is great. But I feel as though the entertainment value was damaged because of the, the officiating and what appeared to be slanted calls. Tyron Matthews said on Twitter after the game, I was clearly walking off the field. Tom bro, Brady's chasing that, me, and I get flagged, yo. and he doesn't. Oh, uh, uh, when Jansen when Jansen starts a fight, I know the the old saying is the, the second, second guy yeah, always gets, yeah. gets caught. But I feel as though again it was not one, not two, but it was multiple calls. Oh, I tell LeBron now, <laughs> not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six. They were the, the calls were so one sided that you had to question. And then Tony Romo clearly works for the NFL <laughs> because he's like, "Yep, that's a call." And and. How many Chiefs games did we see this season? A lot because they played on national TV. Yeah. When did you ever remember commentators say they hold all the time? Yeah. He kept saying that. Yeah. I just feel as though the, the NFL had this narrative that was already written before the game and, and it played out. Although, you know, Tom Brady did make plays he and did. again, the Chiefs didn't run the football. They will say they didn't make adjustments as I alluded to. Mm-hmm. So the Chiefs have a role to play in it. But in terms of momentum, I mentioned the Saints. I know Wally, you're not a big Saints fan. So you kept saying, Sean Payton had opportunities in that game to still yeah, win, but they couldn't get over the call. Yeah. And I feel as though Kansas City, they couldn't get over the first half. They really couldn't. But it gets, They were clearly yeah. affected emotionally, too. You could tell by the body language, of course. By the frustration that was playing but, out in the sideline. But I want to give a point that you made, though, Ray. Like, you, the second dude always gets caught. You're right. In the, I believe in right. that first or second drive, second drive when they – I think they scored – it was the first or second drive, whatever. They got a 15-yard penalty mm-hmm. – and the second dude got caught. Like, the second dude got caught. Like, they got a 15-yard penalty. The, the old lineman was um, pushing around the, the D tackle, the DN. I forgot the, the DN's name. But uh, and um, but he smacked the old line back. Like he sm- And then he got called for the 15-yard penalty. Fast forward, Tom Brady is the second dude chasing. He's chasing down Tyron, Tyron Matthews, but Tyron Matthews is the dude that gets caught. You know what I mean? There's no consistency. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was my issue. Like, if you're going to call – Call it one way, then call it call, be consistent throughout the whole game on both sides. But they weren't. The, the officiating just wasn't consistent at all. That's what annoyed me about the game. <laughs> like, gotta be yeah, happy for for Tybo's though. Go ahead, though, Will. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, um, and that's that was that was my point. I was just about to make. You know, even though um the team that I wanted to win didn't win, mm-hmm. I'm definitely happy. For Tampa Bay specifically, mm-hmm. the coaching staff, of um, yeah. Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles, and Byron Leftwich, you know, those are, they seem, I don't know any of them, but they seem like really good guys, genuine guys. They're, they're really good coaches from what I, you know, from what I see, um, their interaction with the players and also the game plan they put together. So I'm just happy that they were able to get a ring. Um, but, you know, I, as, you know, just to reiterate, which both of you said this this Super Bowl, the officiating definitely is going to leave a black eye on this game for a lot of fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think even Boomer Boomer Asajan said something at halftime was like the officiating was they were doing too much. 
So it's it was it was out there. It wasn't just like yeah, Tony Romo was being like Ray said, he's working for the NFL. But you have folks even on that on that telecast on that CBS team that were like, yo, this is kind of iffy. <laughs> so it's 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 it tells you a lot about what how that game was officiated in the first um in the first half. Are uh, you listening to the Urban Sports Team part of Sports Journey, SportsJourney dot com? So Brady was Super Bowl MVP. Um, do you believe he was worthy of being Super Bowl MVP? I'm gonna start with uh, Ray. No, clearly it was the defensive unit as a whole. Yeah. Top QB in Mahomes, top tight end in Kelsey, and one of the top receivers in the league in Tyreek Hill, and they didn't score one touchdown the entire game. Did. Brady did nothing on the first two drives. Fortunately, not to the Kansas City because the defense of Tampa stepped up. Mm-hmm. They they need to handle this, in my opinion, <laughs> like Madden used to handle the turducken. <laughs> Remember on Thanksgiving when yeah. a, when the whole old line could get the award. You know, everybody got a, everybody got Facts. a leg on, on that on that bird. I don't know what kind of bird that is. I wouldn't yeah, even. That was a but that was a mutant bird. That's bro. how I feel as though the award should be handled in this case. But again, the NFL knows what sells, and clearly Tom Brady does because your Super Bowl numbers rose significantly this year. And they gave it to the guy that is the face of the league still. Mm. And last week I made the the reference of Canelo and Mayweather. Mayweather, he beat the young guy. Exactly. We we lost on this one, Pat. Exactly, bro. <laughs> so Pacquiao, right? Go ahead, Go ahead Will. <laughs> um, did was he the most deserving player to from Tampa Bay to receive the award? No, mm-hmm. but you know, as Ray stated, you can't give that. The Super Bowl MVP typically goes to one player. Mm-hmm. So just looking, taking out everything in the aggregate, um, I, I'll say if if you had to give it to one player, it was uh, Tom Brady. But definitely. for me, oh. it, it, it definitely it, it it was a very close tie between um, Brady and Leonard Fournette. Yeah, mm, very close. Yeah, Fournette was t- yeah. What's the um, Tom? You, yeah, yeah. I think it's a good. One. Tom Brady was twenty one. Was twenty one to twenty nine. Only 201 yards passing, three touchdowns. Um, I, I know the three touchdowns is what put him over the top for everyone, yeah. but Leonard Fournette, when he came in and he ran the ball, he definitely manta- maintained the pace mm-hmm. for that team. Um, and also his play, you know, his, his ability to get catch passes out of the backyard, backfield, um, played a key role. Yeah, Leonard Fournette was, he was nasty in the game. Uh, him and also. Jeez, um, what's his face? Uh, I want to think. Of, I'm thinking about it. What's the defensive end for a Tampa that was ha- creating havoc all day? Uh, Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett. Me, I think he should. I thought. I thought he should have got big time consideration because he was always in the backfield on passing plays, though. Always. They they had no answer for him. You know what I mean? He may not have got. He may have not gotten got the sack, but he definitely got. Um, at times he got um. Mahomes off off his like off of I mean he got Mahomes out of the pocket like he forced Mahomes out of the pocket you know and he wasn't able to step in into throws because of uh Barrett so yeah it's between those it's, it's definitely between those three I I feel like like Ray said the defense dominated the game the defense was the MVP and I would have pref- I would preferred to have somebody on the defense side of football you know be the I mean win the win the honors of Super Bowl MVP because just the, just the fact that again you're looking at the Kansas City Chiefs offense one of the more dynamic offense in the game of football, and they didn't score a single touchdown, and they held them to nine points, and they dominated. They didn't just beat them; they just dominated. It that's be- a good that's that's a good point, but at, at but at the same time, Wally, you do have to acknowledge okay. that when you, if a defensive player is going to get the MVP, typically that defensive player makes 
huge impact plays with regards to mm. turnovers and uh, accumulating multiple sacks. Facts. And Shaquille, um, you know, Barrett, I think he only had one tackle and one sack, but, yeah. you know, he had, uh, he had like four or five quarterback hits and he was always, you know, he, 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 uh, his play, uh, allowed, um, he drew a lot of flags from the Kansas City Chiefs uh, left tackles, yeah. their tackles. So, yeah. now he, I mean, he definitely. He, I mean, it was like you said. He had one sack. He had one sack. Yeah, and Sue had one and a half. So, yeah. I mean, truth be told, yeah, the numbers. If he had like multiple sacks, definitely. I'm with you. I, I agree with you, Will. That he would have probably had. A, he would have had a good chance. I don't still. I don't think he would beat Brady, but he would have had a good chance. Um, but again, it, it's it's tough though, right? You know, I mean, if you really, to me, if I wanted to give, it's not fair. If I really wanted to give Super Bowl MVP, a Super Bowl MVP uh, award to somebody, it would be uh, Ty Bowles because his game plan was lit. Um, but you can't give it the to the whole him. unit, bro. Yeah, you, Turd Duckin, baby. Turd Duckin. <laughs> <laughs> Bradley Bill, let's let's go to basketball. Bradley Bill leads the Eastern Conference guards in All Star votes. Uh, we'll talk about that. After the break, you're listening to the Urban Sports Lane. For ages. You dig? Deuces. Listening to the Urban Sports Scene with Will T, Ray Jeezy, Wole, part of Sports Journey, SportsJourney.com. So, all right, so far the Washington Wizards, Washington Wizards guard Bradley Bill leads all Eastern Conference guards in NBA All Star voting. Um, so far, do you feel like the fans have got it right? Uh, I'm gonna start with Will. Uh, you broke up, so I didn't hear. Oh, my, that bad. Last my, my, my bad. My bad, Will. So. Do you think so? You know, so far Bradley Bill leads the Eastern Conference guard guards in voting. Do you think so far that the fans got it right? Uh, uh, Would he be your starting guard, two guard in the All Star game if it, if it was up to you? Uh yeah, I, I can't. I'm 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 trying. I'm thinking about the Eastern Conference. Uh, most likely, yeah. Um. Even though you know the team sub five hundred mm. isn't playing very well, but Bradley Bill he's scoring a lot of buckets at a high clip, and you also have to take into account um, defenses. He's their number one primary focus, mm-hmm. and he's averaging thirty five points, which is extremely hard to do, especially with the lack of talent that's on that Wizards team. Um, a close, and I don't even know if this guy 
would be considered a two, but you know, it's either for me it's between him or uh, Jalen Brown. See, that's, you got it. That's why I think should be started. But go ahead, Ray. I'll let Ray go next. <laughs> The only thing I disagree with what you said, Will, is that defense is focused on Bradley Bill. There is no defense in the NBA right now. <laughs> Will and I talked about this over the weekend. You saw Steph Curry go off, and you would think that he would be double. People would try to prevent him from getting the ball. It never happens. I don't know why. But anyway, absolutely, Bradley Bill is an all-star. All-star is an individual award, and he's having a historic season. Yeah. 17 straight, 25-point-plus games just behind Elgin Baylor and Rick Barry. That's historic, my friend. He mm-hmm. deserves to be a starting all-star guard in the East. There's nobody better except maybe, like you said, Jalen Brown and Chris Middleton is having a great season as well, yeah. but he plays with another top echelon player in yeah. the honor. So I'm going with Brad for an all-star. It's not about the team in this case. Yeah, it's, it's like I, I, I think Brad is a starter. I just think Jalen Brown, um, in terms of being a two-way player, um, and you saw what he did when Tatum was on the, when Tatum was gone. So, because a lot of people are like he's the two, he's the he's the number two player, but you know he had an opportunity to show what he can do with Jason Tatum, um, you know, out, you know, out for a couple, you know, for like some games or whatnot, for several games, and he played at a high level. You know what I mean? He was shooting the ball over fifty percent. Um, you know, he was scoring up, you know, averaging up close to twenty seven, thirty points a game. Um, he just was playing. He was playing at such a high level. We already know he can play. You know, he can strap as well. I think, it's a, and his team is winning. He's it, to me, he's just a guy that. I think deserves a lot of credit. Boston, you know, Boston or some of many of the, I say Boston, but many of the national media, they always give Jason Tatum the love because, you know, they look, they deem him as that, as the player to be, you know, the player to be in terms of the future. But when you look at what Jalen Brown has done and he's gotten better every year and what he's done this season and and, and how efficient he has been. Oh man. I, and, and we already know, like I said, he can strap to me. He's a guy that, and to me embodies a, a basketball player, and an all-star caliber player, a guy that you can definitely lean on. Well, I guess no, to Will's I, point, I, would you say that it benefits him being on a better team since Brad, yeah. like Will kind of said, is the focal point? I feel like I think I, on bad teams, people put up numbers. I mean, not to be not to be dirty about it, but, you know, they oh, do. They mm. put up numbers. Um, That's a good Art, point. For instance, all right, look at all right, look, Bradley Bill, his, shoot, his field goal percentage, he's a, he's, he's a baller. Don't get it twisted. Bradley Bill deserves to be an all-star. Bradley Bill shooting, I think his shooting, his shooting percentage is forty-seven percent, um, which is which That's is good. Great. It's not bad, which is good. Do you know what Zach Levine's shooting percentage is? And he only with less shots. What's that? It's it's fifty. What's it's fifty. Oh. Zach Levine shoots fifty percent from the field goal from uh, from the field. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's less shots. You know what I'm saying? So it just depends on who how your offense is, is situated, or whatnot. And not this again. I'm not taking anything away from Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill is again is a all star. But when you, we've seen this in on bad teams, you have players who who can score and who can score the rock. I like I love I love Booker. But you see Booker's numbers numbers have went down because you're playing with a better team now. Like you got Chris Paul now holding the rock. Booker was throwing was giving you seventy in other games, and what, what he's not even doing that. But now he has to play a different role because it's about winning basketball. So when you're playing on a on a bad team and there's games you're getting blown out, you're gonna put up numbers because one you're gonna score because that's what you now it gets to a point where all you worried about is scoring. There was a game there was a game with Bill was playing where the Wizards were getting blown out and you could tell he was stats he was going for stats. Nothing wrong with that. If you get blown out, you might as well go for stats. But I'm just saying like it, it's different when you're on a winning basketball team. You're not gonna have those numbers as often like Steph Curry getting those numbers and winning you see a difference when Bradley Bill getting those numbers and losing there's a difference 
Well, let me ask you this. Um, you know, Bradley Bill's averaging 33 mm-hmm. points per game this, this year. Will we look back at Bradley Bill's time in D.C. over the you know, last two years? You know, last year he averaged 30. This mm-hmm. year he's averaging 33. We look back on this, his time here in D.C. and say he was just a scorer? Or will we look back and say um, Bradley Bill was one of the top two guards in the league during his period? Um, I would say he was a scorer. Um, you have greats at, at the two guard position that we talk about over the years, and they weren't just scorers. You know what I'm saying? Unless, you know, other than maybe James Harden, but James Harden was winning. But you look at Kobe, Jordan. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of these two guards that we've seen in the past, they weren't just scorers. They can actually hold their own within, you know, playing their position. You know what I'm saying? So when you look at Bill, you're going to say he's a great scorer. I think that's fair to say. Nothing again. He's but he's really good at scoring. You know what I'm saying? Like he's great, not really good. He's great at scoring. So that's nothing to take away from it. <laughs> he's great at scoring. But we're talking about winning basketball games. Is he a player? We're going to go off track record for what it is, and we can. We obviously know that Scott Brooks plays a part in it. So it, I, I feel like I feel. Like I'm, it's not. I, I get it. Like Scott Brooks is a part of it, so I don't want to pile on on Bradley Bill because I know that Scott Brooks. If you put the element of Scott Brooks in it, and some of the bad um, signings by the GM and and the team, that plays a part. But at the end of the day, we look at track record. Like with this dude leading the squad, like they're not winning. You know what I'm saying? Something's wrong. They're not winning basketball games because we've seen in in multiple on multiple on other teams when you got a dude scoring like Bradley Bill scoring you don't lose like like this you get what I'm saying like you may not be the one seed you may not be the two seed but you're usually fight you're usually in a good slot to make the postseason I'll give you a prime example when Shaq left and Kobe was take took over the team like Kobe was jacking but he had the Lakers as a seven eight seed in the West like usually you're you're when you're scoring at this type of clip you're making the postseason. And so that's the thing, like Bradley Bill situation kind of, when you look at Bradley Bill, you're like, great scorer, but is he a winner? I'm not sure. Nah, but see, you discount defense because, like, the same could be said about AI. AI put up buckets, but his team's defended. Lake, yeah. The Lakers play defense because they had good coaches. Yeah. This coaching staff is questionable in my eyes. Yeah. I, I, I was questioning, I, I actually posted on Twitter whether Jarrell Christian should be the interim coach, if Scott Brooks were to get fired. But anyway, mm-hmm. I'm going to take it a step further to answer your question. I think Bradley Beal leaves here or he retires as the greatest wizard slash bullet of all time. Mm-hmm. Now, that might not be saying much because we grew up watching <laughs> the bullet. So we already know the history. West Lundstall obviously won a ring. But outside of Gill and John Wall, who can you think of that has been better and put up the numbers he's, he has? I, I feel as though but he's going to be remembered as a score. Yes, he's going to remember as the greatest ever done it here in this franchise. Ooh, that's tough. Will, I'll let you go with that one. Will, I'll let you tackle that response. Um, see, me, I, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of empty stats. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, um, true. You know, he, he'll, you know, average thirty plus, thirty, you know, at least thirty points uh, twice, you know, two years in a row consecutively, but. It all boils down to what have you done to uplift your team, which I don't think we'll realistically be able to say he's done anything right now. Granted, you know, um, we do have to take into account the lack of talent that's been around him, but usually, you know, like 
Wally, like you said, usually when a guy scores this amount of points, he usually um, helps to propel the team to at least the eighth seed or there mm-hmm. um, in the playoffs. You know, last you know last year the abbreviated season, um, Washington was competing for um, the eighth seed. You know, they made it to the bubble, but you know, um, a lot of injuries. Um, Davis Pertons, who everyone said was the second best player, decided to sit out. Um, so, you know, those are things you got to take into account. But, uh, Ray, you're, you're right. When we look back on the time, we will have to say he, he's one of the greatest bullet slash wizards ever. But, uh, you know, it'll be hard for me to give him that number one spot, especially because this team, you know, those statistics didn't, uh, didn't turn into wins. Well, him and John Wall together, definitely. They, they put up some good numbers, and they actually elevated this franchise. And I always emphasize how we forgot about the Gilbert Arenas, Karan oh Butler, Antoine yeah. Jameson days. And Larry Hughes. And Larry Hughes, bro. We oh. had, yeah, <laughs> exactly, because we had Brad and John. To, you know, that, that's what sucks. I feel like because of injuries, first it was Brad that had an injury history, then John obviously had his string injuries. But we never saw them fully healthy for – a sustained period, which sucks because I, I just feel as though that duo was probably what, I mean, I'll, I'll say it's the best in, in basketball. They were the best backcourt in basketball for a while. And I just hate the fact that John got injured that one year where they looked proud to make a deep playoff run. Yeah. We injured his hand against the Hawks. So Brad and Brad, a thing about him is while he remember, we didn't like him handling the ball. Yeah, he, he got first, so much better. I agree. Uh, came out, came out of Florida, but he gets better every season. And I know that sometimes empty stats, but I truly believe that he's trying to help the team claw back against New Orleans. They climbed back. He he was scoring the ball. He he takes over games for the team. I know he has to. And and sometimes other the other the opponent I should say may relax. But Bradley Bill has improved every season as a basketball player. Um, John Wall, we saw the response in the community when he left. Brad, in my opinion, is just as influ- influential yeah. in the community in the DMV and. I just think overall, man, he's going to be remembered as the guy at the top spot. I don't know who you can put ahead of him. Oh, um, it de- just based on our discussion. I think I, I would put, put it. it Michael, I, Michael Adams. No, Tom that's Hammond, the greatest Gugliotta, The more Calvin impactful. Chaney. Yeah, I guess it's hard. I, th- I think the difference is like, are we saying the great? To me, the most impactful wizard. I mean, and I'm a little biased. Is like, is like Gil. Like, I feel like Gil was like the most impactful wizard that I, or wizard really? I've seen. Yeah, because he, like again, like we all we we all play ball, we see ball, we know what it is like. When Bill, when Gill scored, like he dominated the game. Like there was no other. Like he can win against Kobe when he went to L.A. He dominated that game. Like he, Kobe and Gill, Gill dominated. Kobe was balling, but Gill dominated that game. Like when you see a, a player like that, and I'm talking about when they're healthy, a player like that when you when he can go against any dog, period, and you feel like, yo, mm-hmm. we got that dude. Like we good. Like we got that dude. Like that, it's a difference. Like it is a difference when when the Wizards play. And I know again, it's a, it's a team game. I'm not taking that away from anything. But when the Wizards play mm-hmm. against like Miami or they're playing against the the Warriors, you're not feeling like Brad gonna pull it out. You don't have that feeling. Like you just don't. But regardless of what the situation is, you don't feel like Brad's gonna pull it out. When Gil was out there, you were like Gil's gonna pull this out. Like you just felt that. Like as, I'm not even like a Wizards Bullets fan, but I would. When Gil was out on any, when Gil played anybody, like you were like, yo, a healthy Gil, you like, yo, he about to get this. Same thing, like with John Wall and the Bill, like that backcourt, you felt confident. By but Bill by himself, you don't, you can't say that you feel like 
when they play against uh, the Lakers, or they're playing against, they're going to Eastern Conference, they're playing against Milwaukee, they're playing against, the, the they're doing well, against the Nets, they play very well, but against teams of that sort, like, you don't feel like, hey, Brad about to pull this out, like, Brad can go ham and take over this game. When you saw Gil, you were like, Gil's going to take over this whole game. Uh, I agree in the sense that I think Gil definitely had more star power than Brad. Like, when the Cavs played the Wizards, it was Gil versus LeBron. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And right right now, the matchup, of course, because Brad is the guy, yeah. is Brad versus whoever the other star is. But yeah. at the same time, with Westbrook on the squad, some may argue, no, Westbrook is the biggest star on the team, which he might be based on his career, based mm-hmm. on how much he's achieved. All-star games, winning, uh, fi- uh, finals appearance. So Brad doesn't match Gil in terms of star power. I, I would agree with that. But because of the way Gil's tenure ended, I think that, Sustains his ability to be the the best of all time uh, in terms of the Wizards slash Bullets, which again may not be saying much considering the history. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Uh, another Wizard topic: Missouri Jerry to DC could happen. Maybe it's a rumor. We'll talk about the rumor uh, about this go- going down after the break. You're listening to the Urban Sports Scene. My agent. Yeah, dude. To the urban sports scene with Will T, Ray Jeezy, myself, Wole, part of Sports Journey, sportsjourney.com. So this feels good. This is like a Niger story. Oh, man, excuse me. Oh, no. So good. This is like a whole, like, Niger story. Got my man, Messiah Jerry. All right. <laughs> there is a rumor that the Washington Wizards plan to pursue Messiah Jerry uh, in the offseason. Messiah um, Jerry is the president of the Toronto Raptors. A hey, thoughts on this, Will T? I, I mean, didn't we have this conversation like two years ago? Yeah, it's out. It's out there now. This is a new rumor now, bro. They bringing it back. Bring it back. Uh, bring it back. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not really interested in having these same conversation we had two years ago, <laughs> personally, because I don't. I, I mean, no, I'm just being honest. Like, you know, we we saw how it worked out two mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not inclined to think that it's going to change anything different. It's going to change. Um, you know, uh, if, if you're Messiah, you Jerry, why would you come to DC? Yes, I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, and let's be, let's be honest. In Toronto, you are looked at from, you know, as a guy who brought a championship to that country and you built, um, and you pretty much, built the franchise, you built the culture. Um I, I just think that there's, you know, I, I don't see I don't see why you would come to DC unless you're at a point in your career in life where you want a, a, another big challenge. But if we're just looking at that Toronto Rock Raptors roster, you still have you you know, you have a, another couple years of a challenge ahead of you because Kyle Lowry is getting towards the end of his career. Um, you have a couple of young, promising players that are starting to ascend with OG Anawanobi and also um, Chris Boucher. So um, why come to D.C. when you have 
you know, a challenge in front of you in Toronto. It just it, it wouldn't make sense unless that, you know, he's falling out of favor with the ownership. Mm. Ray? Will T, what talks, my brother? It's called money. You throw the bag at him. I believe you can get him to come here. And yes, clearly it'll be a good move because Masai Jerry teams have what? Wait for it, fam. Sustained success. <laughs> Didn't we talk about that last week? He makes ballsy moves. It includes, of course, trading his star player, DeMar DeRozan, and he fired Dwayne Casey, who was not a bad coach. Does that sound like something that could happen here? A star player possibly being traded, a coach being fired. It sounds like more of a need here than it did with Toronto, but he did that in order for them to win, and it worked out for him. And that type of decision-making is something that we could possibly use here. I think also he could convince certain coaches that lineups consisting of Westbrook, Raul Nettle, and Ish don't work because defense with a small lineup like that is just that. It's an Ish. And we don't need that type of basketball right here no more. So maybe I'm desperate as a Washington Wizards fan that your jury will be agreeable to accept this job. But right now, it doesn't look too attractive. Yeah. Well, it's let me ask real. you this, Ray. Let me, let, me, let, me counter, let me counter what you just said with this. Okay. Sure. You, um, prior to them hiring Tommy Shepard as the GM and, you know, the changes they made within the front office, you had probably the guy, you had the guy who taught Major, um, Simon Major, Jerry, a lot of the things you know, and Tim Conley, the uh, president of basketball operations for the Denver Nuggets, mm-hmm. yeah, he said he wanted to. to come to D.C. He said that was the only job he would leave Denver for, and he decided to stay in Denver. So why do you think if you couldn't get that guy, the guy who wanted to be in D.C., a guy who's had sustained success with the Denver Nuggets, built them up to the point to where they are now, how do you think you if you can get a guy who wanted to be here? How do you think you're going to be able to attract a guy, Masai Jerry, who, let's be honest, doesn't isn't necessarily in love with the the potential prospects of coming to DC? Okay, how I counter that is right now. To be honest, Toronto is looking closer to a rebuild, right? So, if your jury would lead Toronto, I don't think it's like a huge step down to come to the Wizards because the Wizards do have some good young pieces in Rui and and in Denny. And they'll pro- possibly, I'm hoping that, but they'll possibly have a top pick, which I will hope would be Jonathan Kuminga, draft your countryman, even though as a fan, I'm hoping that they can make a run because they have the talent. It's just, you know, the coaching situation is messed up. But Connolly, on the other hand, his situation in Denver is, is so much better. He had a young nucleus already. You talk about Gary Harris, Jokic. I wouldn't have left that situation either. So he made the right choice, but your jury will be making too much of a, uh, uh, I guess, well, I, I can't say it's a lateral move, but I, I think it's not, like I said, it, it's not like a, a huge step down because the, the Wizards do have talent. And outside of like Pascal Siakam and Ananobi, I don't know how you build with the current roster in Toronto. It looks like they're going to start oh, they over. Have, they, oh, no. They, Toronto, they I heard Chris, Kyle Lowry might be Chris Boucher. Boucher. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Chris Boucher, he's oh, going to, he's going to develop him. into be uh, Van Fleet. an extremely good player. Van Fleet. Van Fleet. Van Fleet. Van Fleet. 
Yeah, he he's he's good. I ain't gonna lie, yeah, but that's good, not bro. somebody I'm looking like build around. He's a, he's, a, he's a very good piece. Look, man, it's like it, it's he's hard. A piece, yeah. He's a piece. I mean, that it's hard, right? Because the Wizards, you look at you look at their situation. Not to say. Because I guess because we're we're close to the situation. I guess if you were in Toronto, they would feel the same way about their situation. But if you look at the the Wizards and their 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 talent pool, um, it's it's we they should be better. But I'm not sure how they stack up against other teams. Um, they should be better. Um, I I think you know I like Rui. I think Rui could be a, a really good basketball player. Um, it's just that you know what for for whatever Scott Brooks is doing, uh, with Rui and some of the talent, um. It ain't working out all the way, and also you got um, and then also you got uh, what's face? You got uh, Denny, and I feel like he could be better. I think he could be better, but his game is kind of it. It, it, it he, to me, he, he don't have he doesn't have a left hand. He just he just he goes right all the way all the time. So I'm kind I kind of want to see him in the off season. Um, to be honest with you, because I want to see him get. I think he can get better. He's young. He young though, yeah. He's so true. young, mm-hmm. yeah. But he got ability though. Yeah, he's only nineteen. Yeah, he got yeah, ability. He's nineteen years old. He got right. ability. I'm not taking that away from. So it's it depends on what Messiah 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 thinks. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this team, it just depends. Like what is his thought process of what he can do to to get this team, you know, to to build this team into a contender? Because that's all it is. Like you know, all these GMs, they they have egos, right? They want to be, they do want to get a team that's bad and, and build them up so everybody can say, you know what? Look at me. Look what I did with this organization. You know what I'm saying? So that that also plays a part. Like I know we 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 look at the Wizards and say, well, yeah, or Toronto. Some may compare and say, well, Toronto was a championship team. They they go to the postseason. They're already at this particular level. But some GMs may look at the Wizards situation and they're like, you know what? I'm gonna build this thing. For, I'm gonna build this thing up, and then it's going it's going to improve my brand as a G, as, as a general manager, president. It's gonna make me look even better if I get this team to one compete. And and two to compete for a championship. So if they get if he can, he may look at this Wizards team like that. Like, hey, this is an opportunity to prove to prove myself even more. He's had some misses, but he's been better than Tommy Shepard and Ernie combined. I mean, Ernie's drafts were the worst, and he traded he traded away everything. Marquise Morris, Bogdanovich, he traded picks all the time. I think Jerry will build this will build this Wizards program or franchise the right way. And honestly, I don't discount the fact that DC is a good destination to reside and to implement other business strategies in your life outside of whatever you're doing in the NBA. So I, I think it's a possibility. The the rumor, because I know I sent you an article about it. Yeah. Too, um, the main purpose of the, the article was to identify that Tommy Shepard, his place is insecure. He was almost looked at as kind of an interim guy anyway, mm-hmm. or Ernie Jr., so to speak. So I don't know if that is who Ted is committed to, but let's not discount the role that Ted has played in this organization. Too. Exactly. Some, That's some what I want to say. That, 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 have, that have hurt this franchise, and many believe that he was behind the wall trade. He was behind Troy Weaver not coming to D.C. Mm-hmm. So because he's been successful as an owner when it comes to the, the Capitals, he, he gets sort of a pass, I believe, from the I media. Agree. And the DC media just ain't that type of group, you know. But we can't discount that. Maybe people don't want to work for him, and that may hurt the opportunity for the Wizards to hire a really good general manager or president. I think he needs to – the people need to start looking at him as a young, as an as owner, like in terms of why this team, this basketball organization isn't winning. Um, I, I think I think we all – I mean, obviously we're going to always target the general manager – 
But still, at the same time, I think Ted plays a part too. I, I agree, Ray. I think Ted plays a part big time. Mm. Um, on Twitter about you know Messiah Jerry, my man um, at Black Martian thirty three uh, said absolutely. Slim has a a serious eye for talent. Van Fleet undrafted, Siakam mm-hmm. groomed since a young since a young boy in Cameroon, getting Kawhi on a one year rental. OG from London, yeah. uh, Saint Lucian a kid, uh, Chris uh, Boucher who Will was referring to, a two time champ mm-hmm. improves every year. Vicious shot blocker, stupid hops and can shoot the and can, and can shoot the tray. Yeah, I mean he obviously you know when you look at his background in. Not getting like the you know the the well known first round pick that everybody falls in love with. Um, he gets guys that you know from the NBA Africa program. Uh, he's gotten guys from you know in the draft and later rounds, undrafted dudes. Um, he's been he's gotten dudes to ball for him, and he's gotten dudes that have who have the the drive to get better every year. I think that's very important, and it's hard and that's hard to find, right? To to, to locate a kid that isn't isn't cool with just where he's at in a, where he's going to be in the league. He's old. He's getting kids who are trying to get better every year. And that's something that we, you know, we, we, we take for granted. There are basketball players that, are, that don't act that way. And the guys that he draft draft are guys who are trying to get better every year. So that's, again, that's he has an eye for that. Like Masai Ujiri has, has an eye of developing, getting that type of talent. I agree mm-hmm. just because, of the results. Yeah. That's what we just talked about Brad. Brad is obviously a top player in the NBA, but because the team hasn't achieved the results, it's sort of a stain on that or it's an asterisk by it. Mm-hmm. But when you start, when you start my jury, uh, that's it. That's right. The results are there and you can't argue with numbers. You cannot argue with that. But again, it's just a lot of factors that will come to play in order to get him to come here. Right now, I think to Will's point, he probably will will agree to stay in Toronto and continue to build with that young group. Even though, like I said, I, I still think the Wizards have a talented team. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see the decisions that Ted make going forward because it's ultimately up to him, and he needs to make some money. And like I said, I heard the Wizards have lost money mm. um, over the past couple of seasons. Although I know Aaron Frankovic said that TV deal is massive. That's all he said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was kind of disagreeing. I with know him, he was, dude. I, I, I'm I, as a fan of the Wizards, I want to see. Like I said, sustained success, sustained dog. success, sustained success and, and, <laughs> and, 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 and competing, a team that's competing. Yeah. You know, we, we've had too many teams that just don't compete. It's, it's unfortunate. And, and also on Twitter, my man Todd said, uh, this team won't, I mean, it won't work with, you know, with Uncle Ted here. So to your point, man, people are starting to look at Ted wow. Leonsis as, as maybe a problem. I mean, he could be a problem. But, um, Let's go to baseball. The Nats made major moves this offseason. Talk Nats. Kevin Nibley will join us to discuss this after the break. You're listening to the Urban Sports Lane. Ages. You dig? Deuces. Listening to the Urban Sports Scene with Will T, Ray Jeezy, myself, Ole. Will T stepped out. Um, we're also part of Sports Journey, sportsjourney.com. 
All right. So right now we have Kevin Nibley from Talk Nets. We talk Nats, excuse me, on the line. What's going on, Kevin? Welcome back, my man. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. You know Absolutely. what? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I wanted to have you back on earlier because, you know, the Nats were making so many big moves, you know, yeah. especially, you know, after last season, they lost, um, well, the year before that. I mean, they lost um, Rendon in the offseason last year, and, you know, they really didn't have any substitutes. But now it looks like the Nats are making making big moves. The Nats added first baseman Josh Bell in the offseason. How big was that acquisition? I think it's a pretty big acquisition um, because before we got Bell, you know, basically the position last year was uh, going to be a platoon between uh, Howie Kendrick and Ryan Zimmerman. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman ended up opting out of mm-hmm. the season, so he wasn't even in the mix. And, and as we know, Howie uh, was injured or ineffective for a lot of, you know, the season. So, so first base uh, in D.C. has been a position for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh basically since Ryan Zimmerman's prime or since, uh, you know, Ryan Zimmerman 2017 or before that, Adam LaRoche had a good year or two. Um, but, but first base has always been a position the Nats have cobbled together, you know, the last half decade or so, uh, where Bell is the first time in a while they've gotten a first baseman who you can hopefully pencil in there for, you know, 140 games and hopefully he can return to his 2019 levels and, you know, have an all-star level season. It should, but shouldn't it work better for him since he's going to have, you know, he's, he's going to have Juan Soto. He's going to have more protections and vice versa. If he's hot, this, this could really be, I'm not, not to say he's going to be Anthony Rendon, but this could be the protection that they were looking for. It's going to be interesting. I, I, the way that Rizzo, a lot of his acquisitions this year, uh, you know, Bell, Schwarber, mm-hmm. John Lester, a, a lot of these guys, you know, if, if you go to baseball reference and you look at uh, their 2020 seasons, yeah. you're like, Ugh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not yeah. so good. Not but so if, good, yeah. if you look at their 2019 seasons, mm-hmm. you're like, wow, these are some, you know, like Josh Bell had an amazing first half in 2019 yes. and was an all-star, you know, mm-hmm. Kyle Schwarber had an amazing uh, 2019, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, you would think, uh, you know, the lineup, uh, you know, playing, uh, I, you know, I'm not sure exactly where I'll hit, but uh, whether he is behind Soto protecting him mm-hmm. or maybe even better in front of Soto, yeah. you know, the Nats lineup's a little bit better than what the Pirates are offering. So there, there's a pretty good bounce back potential uh, for Josh Bell. And he's still a relatively young guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe he just, he had an off 2020, but a lot, of, you know, a lot, a lot of, of people there. had an off exactly. 2020. <laughs> Yes. In all sports. It's hard to read too much in 60 games. I know in all sports too. A lot of like a lot of players had all 2020. Um so Cal Shorber, you you mentioned him. I, obviously he was, you know, he was a big stud before the injury with the Cubs. How could this how can this signing, you know, affect this team? Like what what what, what do you think his role will be on this this baseball team? It's interesting. Um when they've first got him i i thought uh, maybe he would be our dh because mm-hmm. uh, that's still up in the air to a point um whether or not last year the national league had a dh oh, yeah. uh they to keep a dh you know all the years that. before they didn't uh yeah but uh, as, as far as i know as, as of right now okay. we're going back to the way it always was okay. and it will not be a dh which means schwarber will be in left field presumably mm-hmm. uh and you know um his bat is an interesting bat. He strikes out a lot, but yeah. he, uh, you know, he can, in 2019, I want to say had about like 38 home runs mm-hmm. somewhere in that neighborhood. He had an OPS, uh, 
you know, in the high 800s, like 870, something like that. Um, you know, and that's really what the math, the Nats were missing last year were bats in that four to six range, you know, guys who could hit a three run homer every once in a while. Um, you know, last year, when you look at them, they basically had uh, Turner and Soto and then the line, you know, it was like a black hole. I mean, yeah. we had is Drupal Cabrera hitting third or fourth for a lot of last, last year, you know? Um, so, so I do think Schwarber's a nice ad. I, I think Rizzo has added some bats to the middle of the lineup that could be effective. Um, there are, bounce back candidates neither are great on defense mm-hmm. but you know what you're hoping is between bell and schwarber you're hoping over a full season with a normal spring training they can replicate what they did in 2019 and and if they can and they're still both young guys they're still in their late 20s yeah. um and they're also playing for their next big contract uh you know if both of those guys can have good seasons then yeah, that middle of the lineup looks pretty good. And and at least with Rizzo, he has a track record. You know, remember he got Daniel Murphy around the same point in his career mm-hmm. where, you know, he came here and then he had his best years here. So, you know, we're, what you're hoping is that they're picking up Schwarber and Bell uh, at a point where they'll have their best years uh, here in D.C. behind Soto and with Turner, et cetera. See, as, as an Oriole fan, it reminds me of what the <laughs> Orioles used to do um, when, you know, they had their group of guys with – Adam Jones, Nick Mark, Mark Markakis, and Matt Weeders, but they did sprinkle in a Nelson Cruz. You know, got they got guys who were, yeah. you know, had talent. You know, were at a point in time were one of the best players in the league, and then you know, obviously they may have fizzled out a little bit, but they kind of was like low risk, high reward type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I just feel like the Nats are kind of going that route. But I, I feel like with the with some of the players that the Nats have, with you know, with Castro and um, Bell, like Castro, um, Bell, mm-hmm. and now with Bell, and also um, Shorber, like these are players grouped up with uh, Turner, um, Soto, um, hopefully Robles, Robles st- st- steps up, Carter Keboom yeah. can kind of, you know, yeah. keep, keep progressing. Those are these vet, well, young vets, not really vets, but you know what I mean, young vets um, can help those guys get better. And as a group, I feel like they have a great opportunity to 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 be champs again with that type of lineup if they if everything goes the way it should it, it could go it's interesting you know yeah c- coming into this season as a Nats fan I'm not bullish on a sense that I'm like oh yeah we're like gonna win 96 games and go back to the playoffs <laughs> right. like, I don't know you know this could go I could see a world where the Nats win mm. 90 plus games I could see a world where the Nats win 70 games mm, wow, you know huh? it's just a lot of it, it just, it's all going to boil down to their starting four pitchers mm-hmm. um, and their health. You know, it, you know, last year, everything that could have gone wrong more or less went wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, Strasburg barely pitched. And when he did, he was hurt and ineffective. Uh, Sanchez was awful. And kind of maybe he was at the end, he turned back into a pumpkin. He was maybe he's at the end of his career. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at, at the Nats, uh, you know, if, if uh, Strasburg comes back and is good and if, if uh, Scherzer has one more good dominant year with Corbin and if John Lester can give you, you know, if John Lester can fill that Sanchez role from 2019, you look at that and you're like, all right, that's great. And then, you you know, one of the other between like Fetty and uh, Ross, uh, you know, uh, Austin Voth, uh, Voth um, yeah. you know, Roth, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know what? Like they have enough, you know. And then, and then we have some, we have some younger guys yeah. coming up. You know, like you could fill up this starter out of that. Uh, you know, if the if the rotation holds, and yeah, you say someone like a, you know, Carter Keboom could take a step up, or if he doesn't, you know, maybe they could 
have a mid-season acquisitions like they did in 2019 mm-hmm. when they brought Parra in and Cabrera. You know, maybe they could find a veteran to play third base if, if Kibum doesn't work out. You could see how this this could work. And and obviously, you know, they have that championship medal and, and Davey Martinez does have a knack for, you know, maybe the first 15 games of the season don't go great for him, but he seems to find a way to put it together and get yeah. the team on the same page. Uh, even last year, they were playing really well at the end. And I yeah. think if they had had an 80 game season last year, it probably would have made the playoffs. So th- there's reasons to be optimistic, but this is certainly not a season as a Nats fan. It's not like that year where Bryce Harper was like, where's my ring? I mean, I don't know. They <laughs> might make the playoffs. They might not. It's There's yeah. a lot of uh, things in the air this year. You're listening to the Urban Sports Scene Now Power Sports Journey right now. We have Talk Nats, Kevin Nibley on the line. So you mentioned John Lester. This is a guy, actually, I think this is an awesome signing. Again, one of the, I think, low-risk, high-rewards type of signings. Yeah. Um, it's a guy that you, you pair, if if everybody's healthy and knowing what his, his makeup is and his build in, in terms of postseason play, he's your fourth starter. If he is the and, and if he is, I want to say John Lester, he's the A version of John Lester. Say if he yeah. was the B level of, or B level of John Lester, does this make this Washington National staff the best staff in the National League? Forget well, you know what? Forget National League in all of baseball. Um, I, it depends. You know, I, all of baseball might be hard to say. I mean, gosh, the Dodgers, what they yeah, just yeah, did. Yeah, I know. That was, was, that that was, that was that's going to be, that's gonna be <laughs> hard. Um, but, you know, I think it could make them great. I mean, again, you know, if if uh, if Scherzer and Strasburg can be that one-two on the level they were in 2019, mm-hmm. That solves a lot of problems. And then, you know, if, if Corbin can slot in, you know, and, and not have that pressure, like last year, Strasburg was out right away. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, it was like Corbin maybe had a little more on his shoulders. Uh, you know, uh, if if you get Strasburg and Scherzer doing well and then Corbin in is the third and then really what you need from Lester, you don't need him to to go back to his prime years. You just need a guy, kind of what Anibal Sanchez did in 2019. You know, he can throw five, maybe mm-hmm. six innings on a good night. Uh, but, you know, keep you in the game. You know, too many games last year, you know, the starting pitching did not keep them in the game. And you're already down five to one in like the third inning and, and you're burning out. your. And, and also when that happens, aside from just losing the game, you start burning out your bullpen mm-hmm. and that adds up over time. And I think the Nats had like, 10 blown saves and 60 games last year, something like that. And that happens because, you know, you're overusing the bullpen and it starts to screw everything up. So yeah, Lester doesn't necessarily need to be the A version of himself, but yes, the B version of himself, meaning low four, four to four and a half ERA, Mm -hmm. you know, eat innings, keep you in the game. You know, this offense hopefully will be good this year. So, you know, just kind of keep you in it. And the bullpen hopefully should be good this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, you know, we just didn't get a lot uh, from the starting pitching last season. So hopefully it, it's been solidified a little bit. And, uh, you know, you, we won't be having to go to the bullpen in the fourth inning yeah. <laughs> or, you know, I mean, yeah, exactly. So No, I just feel like Lester, is a, it's a fit. You know what I mean? Like when you look at the because of the temperament of the some of the starters you have to me, they're so intense. Uh, Strauss is intense, but you don't see it because he's quiet. But you know he's intense because he's just so focused. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know the Max is uber intense. Um, he's just you know he's he's focused and he's a pit bull out there. And Lester just fits that whole mold. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he fits it. It's just a good fit. Sometimes certain certain pitchers they go into a staff and it's like uh, so you know it's, it's, 
it's, he's a good pitcher, but you're not you're worried about if it's a good fit to what that personality of the personality of the pitching staff. Like when I was younger, when like Greg Maddox came from Chicago to yeah. to the to the Braves, it was a good fit because he just fit the mold of what those you know Avery Avery Glavin. Um, mm-hmm. Smoltz, it it was a perfect fit. Like those, they all had the same temperament. So I just feel like with the Nats, these guys have the same temperament. Like Lester is a bulldog. Like he's a guy that when you want it back in it, regardless of in his prime, he he want you wanted him to have the ball because you just felt so confident that he was he was a bit a big game pitcher and he wanted the moment. And all lack of a better term, he wanted to smoke. Same here with the other the other yeah. two individuals. They want like Strasburg, Scherzer. They want the smoke. So, like, I think it's just a great fit, um, to be honest with you. When I heard they got that sign, they got John Lester, I was like, okay, well, he might be up there in age. He may not be the same John Lester. But you know what? In terms of personality, moxie, yeah, it's a, it's a perfect fit. Yeah, and he has that familiarity with uh, Davey Martinez. Mm-hmm. I mean, so same with uh, Kyle Schwarber. And, and it is, uh, maybe a lesser noted uh, move this offseason is uh, we changed pitching coaches. Mm-hmm. We brought in uh, – I believe so. I think it's Hickey, uh, the guy used to be the Cubs uh, pitching coach. Um, I, if I, that's wrong, uh, people I'm talking about, so kill me for that. But um, you know, it's been a long day. But yeah, but, but so he's familiar with uh, the pitching coach and Davey Martinez, and uh, you know, and, and that means a lot. You know, it's the same like uh, in in a football. You know, when you uh, coach brings a quarterback he's yeah, worked with, before. Exactly. it's like they don't have to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. They know what they expect. They've worked together. They're comfortable, and and hopefully that should you know pay dividends on the field. Definitely. Hey, hey, uh, Kevin, we appreciate having you on. Before I let you go, let our listeners know about, again, Talk Nats. I mean, they, they heard the show. They probably know about it anyway. But I want you to say it again, <laughs> talk, talk about it again, and also how they can catch Talk Nats on social media and how they can catch you on social media. Yeah, no, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so Talk Nats, it's just talknats.com. Um, it's a great site if you're a really serious Nats fan, really great community. You get really in-depth stuff you're probably not going to – necessarily get reading the post or other you know it, mm-hmm. it's it's like very you know you you go and talk nats you'll know like the entire minor league roster all the way down to like the eight a ball team you know it's, it's a very good hardcore site um and uh they're on twitter at talk nats i'm on twitter at uh k underscore nibbly um and i do a podcast every so often for talk nats it's called the talk nats podcast mm-hmm. um you can catch it on twitter also completely devoid of sports i do a movie podcast awesome. uh, called Kevin and Brendan give notes. That's on Twitter at give underscore notes. So all of these are pretty fun things to check out. And uh, thank you all for having me. I really appreciate hey, it. Kevin, anytime, hopefully we'll have you during the season, a bunch of times during the season. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd love to come back anytime. Uh, take care guys. I, I take care. It. Thanks Kevin. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Right, that's Kevin Nelly from talk Nets. Make sure you check out, check out the content at talknets.com. All right, man. Great show. Yes, you know what I'm saying? Great show as always, you know I mean? Another, another, Awesome show. So make sure um, you guys subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and also Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also, tweet us at Urban Sports Scene and hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. And make sure, again, make sure you check you check out Sports Journey at SportsJourney.com for all your DMV sports content. It's been a great show, Ray. You got anything you want to say before I like close this show out? John Wallen is down 50 to 60 nah, for all John the John Lester, Wall you fans. Closed it. You just closed it. I just closed it. <laughs> all right. I'm letting y'all know that John Wall is down to the to the Pelicans 50 to 63 for all you John Wall fans. I had to do that for my man Ray. You know what I'm saying? Because Twitter is, is live right now with John Wall. <laughs> I, you know I like John. You know I know like you John do, Wall. man. You know I'm just, messing with you. I, 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 I feel like a lot of them came out of the woodwork. I feel like 
Like, I didn't see this much John Wall love when he was here. Bro, I know. You ain't lying. I saw nothing but hell, hate, for real. Now it's all yeah, all I love. I feel like I had to defend John Wall here. Now everybody Fans loves him. so fake. Yeah, I know. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy, dog. But anyway, you've been listening to the Urban Sports Saint for ages. You dig? Deuces. A mega. Lead us out, big homie.